Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday. My name is Shana. Thanks for being here with us tonight. Um, I just want to fully own before we get started that today has not been my day. So I'm feeling a little bit shaky and a little extra vulnerable, even just being up here with people looking at me because I might cry. Um, so if anything like that happens, um, first of all, I'm sorry in advance and thank you for your grace. And second of all, I wore a really cute shirt of otters holding hands because if there's like anything that should be able to make up for my personal failures, it's this, right? <laughs> so if you're like, oh my God, what is she saying? Just be like, oh, but she's wearing otters. That's cute. And just let it go. And the good news is it's our last day in this building. So if it goes really badly, I can just leave it all here and blame it on the building, and then you and I get a fresh start next month. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> so like Phil said, we are in our series on the farewell discourse. We are beginning chapter 15, and the farewell discourse is actually a chiasm, which if you are not as nerdy as I am and maybe can open a pen... Um, <laughs> You might not have heard of what that is, but basically what that is, and I try not to knock off this board, is where you talk about ideas, and then you go back through them in reverse order, and it's like a very common writing style in the Bible. So basically, like if you want to talk about otters, you would say, otters hold hands. Otters are fluffy. Otters are cute. They are fluffy, and they hold hands. And your main point here would be the C, which obviously stands for cute in this point. But <laughs> the main idea, I lost the lid. Um, the main idea here is that we are in a chiasm. That is what our series is looking at. And this week, we are in the middle, which is not cute, but it is still the main point. And so what we're looking at this week is pretty much Jesus's central argument of the entire farewell discourse. And the good news about that, because we're going to work our way back out, is that if this week you're like, no, she messed up, I don't get it, next week we'll also tie into it, and the week after that. So we're basically going to talk about it three times, which is pretty cool. Um, and so where we are at, in the beginning of chapter 15, we're actually not going to have up on the board tonight. Um, this is a section of verses that Jesus speaks to his disciples and his disciples are individuals, but they're also a group of people, and they're meant to represent the tribes of Israel, so like the entire community of God's people. And as I was praying and studying and working through this sermon this week, every message that I got and the things that were standing out to me and the ways that God was speaking to me was to all of us as a community. And so even though this passage has really important implications for us as individuals, Tonight, I want us to hear it as a church. And if you are somebody joining us tonight who does not consider TNL their church home, I would invite you to just be a part of our church family just for tonight and just see how it feels. And if you do not continue on with us, that's okay. But you are welcome here. And tonight, we are going through this talk as a family. So if you could please all close your eyes I'm going to read through this passage as a letter to the church. And if my voice isn't helpful to you, because let's all be real, I sound nothing like Jesus, feel free to imagine a different voice. That's cool, too. I will neither know nor be offended. 
Sorry, it's supposed to be a serious moment. <laughs> I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. TNL Church, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. TNL Church, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, TNL Church, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. That's it for our passage tonight, just 17 verses. So what we have here is this like really cool metaphor of the vine and the branches. It's talking about like a grapevine. We'll just stick with a tree tonight because a lot more of us see trees than we're on vineyards, particularly if we're less than 21. Um, and so pretty much, right, the metaphor is just as a branch gets all of its nutrients from the rest of the tree, and that's how it survives, we as believers get all of our source of sustenance and the ability to carry on through God. And so just like when a branch gets cut or whatever and can no longer get its nutrients, it falls off and then it goes in the firewood pile. That's what this is talking about with the whole burning thing. It's not saying if you don't do this, you're going to hell and are going to burn. It's saying if a branch falls off a tree, it becomes firewood because it can no longer be a branch. And so in the same way, if we are not living in God's love, we can no longer, quote unquote, be a branch and bear the fruit, which here refers to moral good, and therefore, quote unquote, die. So because we're talking about us as a church, this is more of a metaphorical death rather than like literally the entire church just keeling over. That would be a really intense sermon. I'm not giving that sermon. Um, so to summarize, what this passage is saying in not so funny terms is that the difference between thriving and dying as a church is whether we remain in God's love. It's that simple. One 
bears a bunch of fruit, and the Lord continues to bless it. And one is not capable of doing what it's supposed to be, and so it no longer is that. But remain in God's love. We are going to break that down more because that's really vague. I could just send you home right now, but that'd be pretty weird. Um, So God's love, he actually defines in here. He says multiple times, and it refers to the love that he's talking about as the love of Christ, which is a love that we have talked about already a lot. You've heard from Phil in this series, and you also have heard a lot if you've been around TNL. But just a quick summary is it is a love that sacrificially steps into brokenness and pain and suffering in order to bring healing, reconciliation, and redemption. And for a lot of people who've been around church for a while, right, you're like, yes, obviously, I know what love is. Thank you. But for me, when I was working on this, I actually realized that throughout my life, I have heard probably at least 17 different definitions of love. Everybody talks about love like it's the cool thing that we all agree on and we're all about. But I have heard love as if you love somebody, you don't call them out when they're doing bad things because we love them and we just want to support them. So it's this like unconditional acceptance of whatever somebody wants to be and however somebody wants to act. And I think that's actually a love that we see a lot of people use pretty often. I have also, this one may be less familiar to you, but I have seen people use love to justify abuse. I have seen parents who treat their children very poorly and say, it's because I love them. Just there. Those are like two views of love that are wildly incompatible and are nothing like the love that Jesus offers. And so I know that if all of you thought about it, you could probably think of a lot of more definitions of love that you have seen, heard, and experienced that are not this sacrificial love that steps into brokenness for the purpose of redemption. I think even in church, right, we hear sometimes like we get this feeling of like my ability to love somebody means my ability to do everything I can to make other people happy, which is also not this definition. So that's why I think that it is important that we remember that. It is sacrificial love that steps into brokenness specifically for the purpose of reconciliation, healing, and redemption. It is not the other things we see that we call love. And then the idea of remain kind of ties into the similar idea of where there are a whole lot of things in the world that we can choose to care a lot about. For this specific culture, it's actually weirdly similar to ours, where everybody cared a lot about money, success, and sex. And those were the three things that everybody wanted and that the disciples, Jesus knew, were going to be tempted to go towards instead of God. And so when he talks about remaining in him, which if you read different translations of the Bible or have heard other sermons, it's also that word abide. They're just synonyms for each other. And so abide or remains just means to stay true to. So in order to thrive as a church, we need to remain in this love of God that is different from other loves we may see around us. And for me, I'm like a pretty action-motivated person, one could say, if one were being nice to me because I'm having a hard day. Um, 
And so I was just already gung-ho just to go straight from this into what do we do about it? How can we love other people? But two of my favorite um, more contemplative introverts in my life are Elder Brandy and my fiance Ryan. Both pointed out to me, they were like, did you know that love is not something you just give, but it's actually something you also need to receive? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. So first we're going to talk about receiving love, and then we're going to talk about giving love. And so when it comes to receiving love as a community, that can be a pretty weird idea because we're not used to like all feeling like we're receiving love together. We like within our community, one person will give another person love or the community will show one person love. But I think what's so cool about church is that actually everything about church is where we're supposed to experience God's love together. Like when we are singing these worship songs that our really cool worship band is leading us in, it's actually, it's talking about God's love for us. And we are getting to experience that love, to hear about it, to sing of it all together. And when we take communion, that is depending on your church affiliation, a sacrament or an ordinance, which basically means either way that it is a way we come together and experience the love that Jesus poured out for us when he died on the cross. And when we pray together, we are asking for God's love to come on all of us at the same time. And when we commune together, like when we spend time together, when we fellowship, we get to experience God's love through each other. And I think the hard part of this like definition of love is this idea of it stepping into the brokenness. Um, because I don't know about you, but I don't really like to show people all of my broken, sad parts, which is why I'm not crying today on the microphone. Uh, <laughs> but I think that we all do that, right? Where we don't want God to step into our brokenness. We want God to fix our brokenness, and we want like that all to go away. But we don't want to do that part of being in the middle of it. But that is the challenge of receiving God's love, right? Is to come together as a congregation and to get to acknowledge those things. Maybe ways that we have, as a community have failed. Or ways that we as a community have been hurt. I don't have any examples of that right now. But I think that those are both things that can happen to a church over the course of its life. And that we together get to allow God to step into, get to hold, get to see, and get to not want run away from. So that is some thoughts on receiving love. It is not something that I am incredible at, but I believe that it is something that we as a church, not just as individuals, are called to. And next, I want to talk about what it means to then give that love, right? Because... When this whole thing talks over and over and over about like the vine and the branches, what it's saying is that this love and this obedience that God is calling us to is not something that we can do on our own. And I think when we talk about sacrificial love and like stepping into brokenness and pain and suffering, like that is really overwhelming because there is a lot of that in the world and all of us have things that we're already involved in. Like a lot of us have ministries that we care about. We have families or friends that we love. 
We have jobs that we need to keep in order to like put food on the table and have health insurance. And there is just no room in our lives or in our day to care about everything. And even trying to keep up on all of the pain and brokenness can be exhausting. I know that I have been reading the news about a third as much as I used to because every time I open it up, it just breaks my heart and I don't know what to do about it. But I think that this is the point here, right? Is that it's not about what I can or can't do about it because it's not about me and it's not on my own strength and I can't do it. It's about what can we do through the love that God gives us. And how can we, instead of taking on every responsibility to the point where we're not even really helping anything, how can we just find ways to participate with each other and with God in that love? Because all the things that we're doing individually are so cool and they are so important, and I'm not suggesting that any of you give up any of those. But the things that we can do as a community, even if each of us does something tiny, is so big when it's multiplied by an entire room full of people on the same mission. One of the things that I think is really, really hard to look at and talk about right now are all of the wars happening around the world. Because they're far away and they're really scary and it feels bad not to know about it and also feels traumatizing to read about it. And I know that I can send some money, but I don't really know what else to do, and it just feels so big. And so tonight, I actually want us just to, in a small way, as a congregation together, practice living out this love of God where we choose to step into and acknowledge brokenness and pain in the bigger sight of it being God's love and not our own. So what we are gonna do is we are gonna enter into prayer time together, but it's gonna look a little bit different tonight and I would really love if you all would participate with me. I have this one pen right here. I'm gonna erase this because this isn't gonna work with what we're doing. Oh, that eraser works, that's incredible. Um, what we are gonna do is we are gonna dim the lights and Marshall is gonna come up and play some music quietly, and I'm gonna open us up in prayer. And then we're gonna have a time of silence where I ask for all of you to pray for the war in torn countries around the world. I'm thinking of like Ukraine, Syria, and Yemen, but if you know of another one, please definitely add it to your list. And as you are willing and able, please come up and just write one word or one short phrase from your prayer up on this board. And together, as a community, we are going to build a prayer to pray for those people and to ask God's love to intervene. And if you are not comfortable, you absolutely do not have to get up. I'm not going to come up and poke you on the shoulder and be like, it's your turn. Um, <laughs> but please, if this is something that you feel led to in any way, even if it is just one small word, um, come up and write something. So I'm going to pray for us and then... When it seems like people are no longer coming up, I'll close us. Dear God, thank you 
for the love that you give us, that we can hold ourselves and that we can pass on to others. Thank you for the grace that you give us when we don't know how to do that well. God, please just hear our voices tonight as we pray for our brothers and sisters in pain.
God, tonight as a church, this is our prayer. Protect the children. Beat swords into plowshares. May truth find a way. God, please meet them in their suffering. Bring healing and fortitude and mercy. How long, O oh Lord, will this go on? Help us see the brokenness in ourselves and everyone else. We weep with those who weep. Break the stronghold of anger and hate. We pray for people who love you and follow you in Ukraine and in Russia. On earth as it is in heaven, God, please fix this. Teach them how to forgive. Please do not forget the animals two by two. Hold on to hope. God, we believe in your love. We believe in its power, and we ask that you hear our prayers and that you send them tangibly to our brothers and sisters across the globe.